chapter 5, Galatians 5. We're continuing our series. Last week, Anthony preached on the fruit or the manifestation of of joy. And we're going to take a few moments and we're going to look at the next one, peace. But Galatians 5, and uh, we'll start in verse 16. I just want you to, to kind of get the context of what Paul's saying here. We'll jump right in. He says this, so I say... This is Paul speaking to us. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves or desires. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So do you see this battle going on? Good versus evil, flesh versus spirit. He says that there's this battle that's going on. He says, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces, they're constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. Do you guys understand there is a spiritual warfare going on? How many of you, you know it, you feel it. By the way, it's exhausting sometimes, isn't it? I could just go off on that. It is exhausting. I cannot wait till we're in heaven. We don't have to deal with this anymore, right? How many of you would say, praise the Lord there? When the devil is gone and he's cast to a lake of fire and there is no more temptation. And it is, it is exhausting. It's grueling. It's a battle. He says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So what does it look like? What does it look like when you're giving in to the sinful nature? Notice what he says. It's very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. You know, fighting, he says. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And then he he says, the list goes on. He says, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, or let me say it like this, that lifestyle, notice strong words here, will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says this, but the Holy Spirit, here's the opposite. What does it look like to be under control of the Holy Spirit? And being led by the Spirit. He says the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. or It's manifested this way. Love, joy. Anthony did a great job on joy last week. And notice this one. We'll stop right here. But peace. So one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is peace. We're going to speak on that just for a few moments this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be manifested in our lives. That I pray that as we continue this series on the Holy Spirit, that we would realize how important you are in our lives. That we cannot live this life successfully and victoriously without you. We cannot do it without your help. May we be living in an awareness of who you are in our lives. May we not offend you and neglect you, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be living in an awareness of your presence in our life. And that if we allow you to move and work in our lives, that we will experience peace in a world that's oftentimes filled with with chaos. 
So I pray that you would bless your word today. In your name we pray, amen. You know, I think a lot of times it's just human nature, but we try to deal with, most of the time, symptoms. Does that make sense? You know, symptoms. I think our world, our culture is filled with always trying to address symptoms. I'm not trying to be mean here, but it's like over the years I've known people um, who will go to the doctor and they'll say to them, well, you have, you know, you have high blood pressure and you have this issue and that issue and you're, you're borderline diabetic. And so then, you know, they get upset because the doctor will say, well, you do need to lose about 100 pounds. And they'll say, no, no, I just want a medicine to fix that, you know. And lo and behold, they lose about 100 pounds and all of a sudden the high blood pressure, and it's not for everyone, but the high blood pressure drops. All of a sudden they're no longer a borderline diabetic and and all of a sudden things happen. But the thing is, is they want to just treat the symptom. Are you with me? Most of the time, and and, and that's the way it is. You know, it reminds me one time uh, I got into my car and when I got in my car, it had like this weird odor, just smelled. It smelled. And you know what it really, honestly, it smelled like cigarettes. And I thought, did my wife pick up a habit while I was, you know, I didn't know about? And it had like this cigarette smell. And I kept thinking, what is the deal that smells like a cigarette? So I, I got a, uh, you know, air fresher, put the air freshener in. And, you know, and it kind of disguised it. And I turned on the AC kind of, but it was just the strangest thing. It kept, I kept getting this cigarette odor in my car. And uh, so I thought, well, I, you know, when I went to the car wash, it was for like two, three days. I decided I'm going to go to a car wash, wash my car, clean it. Well, lo and behold, what I didn't realize was that it was a rainy day and someone had stepped on like a cigarette butt and it was underneath the back seat. One of the kids probably stepped on it, stuck to their shoe, was underneath the back seat of the car. And when I was vacuuming, I, there it was, bam, there was this like smashed down cigarette butt. But it, that little cigarette butt made my car smell like smoke. And I was trying to disguise it by, you, you know, especially when you're a pastor, come on, you know. And you give someone a ride and you're just, they're just like, hmm, I don't know about this guy, you know, like. I'm like, you know, and it was just like I had that. And I remember I'd put the windows down, air freshener on. I'd give someone a ride and you could just see their face and they get in the car, you know. They're already judging you, you know. And there, there it was. I was like, there was the culprit right there all this time. And you know what was an amazing thing is once I vacuumed up that cigarette butt, it didn't smell like cigarette smoke anymore. You say, what does this have to do with the sermon? What does this have to do with peace? Absolutely nothing. I just thought I'd tell you about that. (laughs) This world, this world is trying to find peace. And here's the problem. They're trying to do it with all types of external externally trying to fix and make life better to bring peace, but peace is an inside job. Does that make sense? Peace comes from within, not from without. Most people are trying to find peace by dealing with symptoms. Sometimes it's in relationships. Sometimes it's in marriage. Sometimes it's in 
you, you know, fill in the blank. Sometimes it's in career or job or if I have a better house or if I have more money or if I have more security, if I have more or if I fix this or if I fix that, then I'm going to be at peace. And then all those things, when they're accomplished, there's still no peace. Are you with me? There's still no peace. You see, peace comes from the Holy Spirit. We can only have true peace when we have the presence of a holy God dwelling within us in the form of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, when I think of this word peace, there's two quick thoughts that really help us understand what the word peace means. If you were to look at the definition or synonyms of, of peace or words that are the same, here's some words that come to mind. Harmony. Calm. This is one I really like. It'll be a long time before I experience this again in our house, but quiet. <laughs> quiet. Serenity. How many of you have ever heard of that word? Serenity. Tranquility. Here's another word, order. Order. The opposite of the word peace, war, strife, stress. This world is stressed out, isn't it? A few years back, a number of years back, 21 Pilots, anyone ever hear 21 Pilots? A song came out called Stressed Out. If you look it up, it has like 2.5 billion, billion views. And it, it, it goes something like this. You know, take me back to the good old days when mama would sing us to bed at night, you know, before we were stressed out. <laughs> How many of you know it, you know? You know, take me back to the good old days. And it's two grown men, like riding tricycles. It's like a really, you're like, Pastor Joe, what's on your playlist? You don't want to know, Okay. But it has 2.5 billion views and it's these two grown men and they're saying, take us back to the good old days when, you know, when when mama would sing us to bed at night. We had no stress, but now, but now they say we're stressed out, you know, and I was like, there's a reason why it has 2.5 billion views. There's a reason why, why it was a huge hit because we live in a stressed out world, right? Full of stress. Chaos. Worry, doubt, these are all words that are opposite of the word peace. And here's another word, boy, and this is, we've seen this in the last couple of years, fear. Fear. Fear is the opposite of that of peace. In fact, there's a couple of scriptures I want to share, a number of scriptures today, but look at 2 Timothy real quick, 1-7. It says this in 2 Timothy, Paul says, For God Listen, Christian, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. And in some versions, many versions will say in fear, but it'll say this, but of power and of love and of discipline. Most versions will say God has not given us a spirit of timidity and fear, but of power and of love and discipline. One thing I want us to be reminded of, when you feel fear come upon you, please listen to these words. When fear comes upon you and grips you, immediately realize it is not of God. You got that? This is not of God. It is sad, but fear sells. 
Not the type of fear I'm talking about, like fear, like, you know, like amusement park fear, like riding, what is it called? Cannibal? Is that the name of that ride? Oh, that ride is awesome. <laughs> the one that takes you straight up and then just down and then like inverts on its way down. I'm not talking about that kind of fear, you know. I'm talking about like fear, like anxiety and stress and fear and worry, the stuff that grips us. The Bible says that that is not of God. God is not the author of that type of fear, but rather of a sound mind. Notice what Corinthians says. Paul says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, says this, For God is not a God of confusion. Okay, God is not a God of confusion or chaos or disorder, but notice, but of what? Say it with me, but of peace. So God is not the author of fear. God does not, it is, that, that is not of God. He does not want us to be living in that state. doesn't mean that there's not times where we'll be fearful or experience some type of fear. But he says this is not of God. And, and really, if you get nothing else out of this, that when you have, when that comes upon you, and I'm telling you, I battle with this. I struggle with this. There's fears of insecurity, fear of not being good enough, doing it right, messing up, fear, fear of failure, fear of, of, you know, honestly, even as being a pastor, making mistakes and not always doing it right and, and being right, that will come upon you. And by the way, when those thoughts come upon you, that's not of God, that's of the devil. Are you with me? And you have to immediately say, this is not of God. God is not the author of this. God is not the author of confusion and chaos. He is a God of order. Just look at this creation and see what God has created. Amen? God is a God of order. And so it is not of God. And be very quick to rebuke that. Be very quick to say this is not of God, to recognize that. And I, can I say this will help you tremendously. My desire and my prayer is to teach and preach the word of God to help you. Because when you have this fear come upon you and fear sells. Listen, for the last couple of years, that is all that the media has been promoting and prompting. And, it, you know, I mean, listen, the church for a couple of years has kind of literally been living in fear and kind of basically shut the doors. Out of fear. Are you with me this morning? I'm saying the church in general. I'm not saying this church. I'm saying in general, we basically, the church had been living in fear and we've kind of closed, many churches closed the doors out of fear. God was not behind that. Are you with me, folks? That is not of God. And so the Bible says that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit will be peace. There's just two quick thoughts about this peace. I think the first and most important is this, is that we'll have peace with God. Look at, at Romans 5 with me. There's a few passages in Romans 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Like I said, if you listen fast, I can preach fast, okay? So if you're getting hungry, we can get out of here real quick. Romans 5, 1 through 5, if you're listening quickly. It says, therefore, having been justified by what? Say it. Faith. It's by faith. It's not by works, okay? By faith. Notice what do we have? We have peace. Can you say it with me right here? Peace what? With God. This is so key. This is so important. Because there must be a point in our life where, where we have peace with God. And that peace with God is through faith. Notice this. 
It's therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. But that peace with God comes through who? Through Jesus Christ. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not through a church. It's not through Red Hills. It's not through a baptism. It's not through, through a pastor. It's, it has nothing to do with us. It's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Amen? It's through Jesus Christ that we can gain this peace with God. It says, through whom, speaking of Jesus Christ, also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, he says, but that's not all. You know, here we go. But we also exult in our tribulations. We're going to have tribulations. We're going to have trials. Knowing that tribulations brings out perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Notice this, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That Holy Spirit gives us peace in the midst of tribulation. That Holy Spirit gives us peace. One, for the most important reason, is because this, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we then have peace with God. It's important. Because a little bit later in this chapter, notice what Paul says, just a little bit farther down in Romans 5, beginning in verses 8 through 11. Romans 5, 8 through 11, notice what it says. But God demonstrates his, his own love toward us. How did he do it? How did he demonstrate his love toward us? That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Through who? Jesus Christ. For if while we were enemies, notice this, this is strong. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, don't you like how he keeps adding to it? He says, not only this, but also we exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have now received the reconciliation. We have been reconciled. The Bible says it like this. We were once enemies of God. We were enemies of God. So that means we were not at peace with God. Does that make sense? If you're an enemy, it means you're not at peace. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, the Bible says that through faith, when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, when we accept him as our personal savior, what happens is we're now reconciled. We've been reconciled to God and we are no longer enemies of God. But the Bible clearly tells us, Paul says that you went from being an enemy or at enmity with God to being at peace with God. So when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit, He tells us here in Romans 5, He comes in to dwell within us. But that, that the finished work of, the, of, of Jesus Christ on the cross means this, that we are no longer enemies of God, but we are at peace with God. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty important thing. Because if you're not at peace with God, the Bible says that the end result is this. If you do not have that peace with God and you're not at peace with God then we will be worthy of God's wrath. 
And the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. He is a holy and just and righteous God. Here's, here's the point. I am a sinner. You're all supposed to go, oh, I'm in shock, Pastor Joe. Let me say that again. I am a sinner. Thank you. Still wasn't very convincing. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We all deserve the wrath of God. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, amen, by faith and trust in his finished work, what Jesus Christ did for us, the Bible says that we, are, we will be at no longer enemies of God, but we are at peace with God. Somebody say, thank God for that. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the finished work of Jesus Christ? And it's by our faith and trust in what he did for us, not by our works, not by the works of any man, but what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus Christ is enough. Amen? He is, he is our all. He is our everything. And because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And if we receive the finished work of what Christ did for us, the Bible says that we are no longer enemies of God, but we are at peace with God. Isaiah 57. Notice he says what the opposite of that looks like. In Isaiah, if you were to read this chapter, he's talking about those who are not following God. Those who have rejected God. Those who are not at peace with God. Notice what he says. He says, may they have abundant peace both near and far, says the Lord, who heals them. Those who, who, those who believe have this peace. He says, but there are those who still reject me. And notice what he says they're like. They're like a restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up the mud and the dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. They are not at peace. When I was in college down in Pensacola, Florida, we had, you know, they had like different, like, like you know, I guess like fraternities, that, you know, it was a Christian college. And so uh, the, they said, we're going to have this activity. And so I think there was like 150, 200 of us went out one night to uh, go deep sea fishing. How many of you have ever been deep sea fishing? Now, this one was at night, and we had it chartered. So everybody paid so much money. You chartered this big charter, chartered these professional fishermen. We had this pretty good-sized fishing vessel, pretty good-sized fishing boat. And so... We, we get on this boat, and I think we, we ate a bunch of pizza. I remember that. I still remember that. It's what college guys do. It was all guys, and we consumed, like, an unbelievable amount of pizza, and a bunch of them were drinking their Mountain Dew, drinking their sodas, you know, and, and I was still trying to sort of eat clean, sort of eat healthy, so I probably drank a bottle of water or something, you know, but I definitely consumed a lot of pizza. That probably wasn't a very good idea that night, by the way, because <laughs> you know where the story's going. And so we get on this deep sea fishing vessel, and it leaves at like, I think we left at 10 or 11 o'clock, and they said we're going to be out all night, and then when the sun comes up, we're going to come back in. And everyone's like, yay! 
And all the guys were like, hoo, 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 hoo. You know, it was like, we're all pumped. We're going to be out on the open waters all night long. Well, about an hour or so in, it began. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you, it was rough waters. And like that boat was bouncing and bouncing. And we were moving and moving and moving. And I'm just thankful back then. And my family will tell you, I have a strong stomach. And this is the truth. Now, probably the Lord will humble me here in the next couple of weeks. But I do not, I have not thrown up since probably like five years old or something like that. I do not get sick. I, it just doesn't happen. And by the way, thank God, that night I did not get sick. I remember saying, what are those guys doing looking off the back? What are all those guys doing off the back of the boat? It's it like an hour in. There's like 20. And they're all just hanging off the edge of the boat. They're like, that's where all the sick guys go. And I was like, oh. I'm like, what a bunch of wusses, you know? There was like 15 to 20 of them. I'm like, we're only an hour in. I was thinking, oh, man, it's not even midnight. And they've got to stand there until 6 a.m. It was bad. Sure enough, as you're walking along and it's bouncing. And by the way, we didn't catch any fish. I know why. They were chumming the waters all night long. <laughs> I caught one fish. It was this big. I'm not, I used it for bait the rest of the night. And I think one other guy, and they had like these little glow things. You know, you could drop it down. And I just remember that boat. The water was so bad and so rough. I was like, no wonder they gave us a good deal on this, you know. They looked at the weather and I'm like, sure, if you guys are dumb enough to go out and fish all night, we'll charge you. That boat was bouncing, and and I remember, I did, I caught one little fish, maybe, I don't know if anyone else caught anything. I kept it on there for bait, thought that might do better. About two hours, and I look back, there's like 40 or 50 guys on the back of that boat. I'm not making this up. And, And then, as you're walking around, there's a guy, one of the guys who worked on there, was just walking around with a bucket and a mop, cleaning up, where people were just... About three, four, five hours in, it was like 60 or 70. And before long, it wasn't just the back. Now they're coming around the sides of the boat, you know? And I remember, I remember one of them, I look over, and some of my friends were some of them, you know, and I had no mercy, no compassion whatsoever. And by the way, I, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to be around it. So I just kept working my way towards the, the side and then towards the front. But I just remember, uh, I remember going over to him, and he's like, what time is it? Joe, what time is it? I'm like, 3 a.m. He goes, what time does the sun come up? You know? I'm like, I don't know, maybe 5 or 6. He goes, oh, this is miserable. Before long, honestly, there was way more guys sick than there was guys that were healthy. And they're like, we just want to get off this boat. We, it was miserable. They were miserable. And there was just a point after a while, you're not catching any fish. I was like, when is the sun going to come up, you know? And then on our way back in, we found this, a boat where someone's boat had broke down. They're sick as can be. And the, then the captain's like, well, we got to tow this boat in. And they're like, is it going to slow us down? Well, we're going to get back about an hour later. No, no, get us off this boat. You know, isn't it interesting the Bible uses that analogy that that's what it's like, the wicked, their life is like that. No peace. And yet this world is trying to find peace in all the wrong places. Peace can only come through 
knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and experiencing him. Amen? You can have peace with God. And just give me two minutes. Police, you can have peace, the peace of God. And this is so important. Philippians 4, 6-9. Just two quick passages. But once you have the peace with God, what comes along with it is this. You can have the peace of God. He says, don't worry, Philippians. Paul says, don't worry about anything. He says, don't get stressed. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience, notice this, God's peace or the peace of God, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then, notice this, then the God, what? Of peace will be with you. He says, your father knows what you need. And he says, and he says, when you have worry and stress, anxiety, when fear comes upon you, when you begin to feel that stress coming on you, he says, stop, pause, pray, thank God. Think about the things that are praiseworthy. You know, what happens is this. We get caught up with stinking thinking, right? We begin to think about all the negative and all the, the bad things. But Paul says, listen, if you, you, once you're at peace with God, he says, then you can experience the peace of God. God, even through difficult times. As he said in, in, uh, earlier in Romans, he says, you're going to have tribulation. But through those tribulations, he says, you're gonna, you can experience the peace of God in those times. Romans 5, uh, 15, 13, again in Romans, Paul says this. He speaks of the importance of trusting and, and believing in the Lord. He says this, I pray. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will find you completely with joy. We heard that last week. And know what else? And peace. Why? Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through what? The power. What's, where do we get it? It's from the Holy Spirit. Where does peace come from? It's an inside job. It's from the power of the Holy Spirit. I close with this illustration in Scripture found in the Old Testament. The first king of Israel, his name was Saul. And when he was anointed to be king, the Bible says that the Spirit, Holy Spirit came upon him. You can find this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the entire chapter. It's right before that amazing chapter, chapter 17, where David goes out and kills Goliath. A lot of people miss this, but the Bible says that when he was anointed... As he was anointed, the Spirit of God came upon Saul. But what happened was this. Was Saul, over a period of time, over a number of years, began to get too proud and too arrogant as though he didn't need God. And there's a long story here, but it was basically this. Is that God said, I need you to choose out. I chose now another king. And he told Samuel to go and to anoint another one. One who was after God's own heart. And many of you know who it was. It was the shepherd boy. His name was David. In fact, David was the youngest of eight sons. He was 14 years old 
from what I can tell through study, he was 14 years old when he was anointed to be king. The Bible says that Samuel went when he anoints him. It says this, that the Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit came upon David. And what's interesting is this, is because Saul had, had basically turned his back on God and began to do his own thing. The Bible says that an evil spirit came upon Saul. A troubling spirit. And he would be troubled. And his advisors and people in leadership said to Saul, this evil spirit that's upon you, you got to do something about it. It's affecting you. And they said, you know what you need to do? You need to find someone who has this spirit upon them and someone who can play an instrument that will bring you peace. And you know who it was? It's David. They brought David, a 14-year-old boy, and brought him to the king. And he became his arm bearer. He became his, and he would play. The Bible says that David, being filled with the Spirit, would play. Many people call it a harp. It was more of, what is it called? A lyre, a lyre, L-Y-R-E, however you pronounce it. It's a smaller version of the harp. And he would play and he would sing. And the Bible says that that evil spirit, that evil presence would go away temporarily from Saul. But David had the spirit upon him. And he was able to even be used to help bring peace to Saul. And then later we know the story after David goes out and kills Goliath. Saul becomes jealous. And what does he do? He tries to kill David and then all of these things. And by the way, that's the manifestation. Jealousy of, of, of a sinful nature. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Anger. Murder, all of these things. Saul then is now a picture of what it looks like to live in the flesh. David was a picture of a man living in the spirit. And so when you feel, listen to me, it's going to happen. When you feel fear, anxiety, stress, worry, chaos, disorder, be aware, okay? Amen? And the first thing you must say is this is not of God. Amen? And by the way, you do not have to live like that. Does it mean that we're never going to have moments of fear, moments of anxiety? Yeah, we're going to have them. David said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You may walk through a valley, but can I say this? Don't camp out there. Amen? (laughs) Don't pitch a tent there. Don't camp out there. That's what I think the Bible's saying. That when you have moments of fear, moments of anxiety, moments of, of stress, moments coming upon you very quickly, recognize it and say, immediately say, this is not of God. God is not the author of this. This is not of God. And then understand, we, we have an awesome thing. We have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. Amen? And then we can call out to him. And we know that if you've accepted him, you're at peace with God. And if you're at peace with God, then you have the ability to have the peace of God. The Bible says that that is beyond our comprehension. That in the midst of difficult times, we can still have peace. And you know what that is? That is a fruit. That is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The person who wrote most of these passages on peace was a man named Paul. And as you heard last week, Paul was in prison. Paul was oftentimes in difficult circumstances. But you know what? 
Paul still had the manifestation of God's spirit within him. He was able to have peace in the midst of the storms. Aren't you thankful like Jesus with his disciples when he was on the boat? And when the storm came and Jesus was sitting there sound asleep, he was at peace. And the world was crashing in on the disciples, the waves. And what do they say? Don't you care about us? Jesus, wake up. Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? Haven't we said that to the Lord sometimes? Come on now, be honest. Lord, don't you care? I love what Jesus said. Jesus gets up and he says, peace, be still. And immediately, peace came over the waters. Can I tell you, in your, in your life, there's going to be storms. But we serve the Prince of Peace. Amen. In the midst of storms and chaos, we can call out to him and he can bring peace in the midst of our storm. I'm thankful for that. Aren't you folks? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.